Monday, October 28, 1974. Two Mormon missionaries, Gary Darley and Mark Fisher, disappeared and were never seen again. The last person that they were known to be with was Robert Cleason, who just so happened to live right behind a taxidermist shop where he worked. But what came out of their deaths was actually inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But there was also an event that took place that was so horrific it inspired the same movie. This is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the true stories, what happened before and what happened after. Theodore Gang on August 27, 1906, in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Ed was raised by his religious and domineering mother, Augusta. She raised Ed and his brother, Henry, to believe that the world was full of evil, that women were vessels of sin, and that drinking and immortality were the instruments of the devil. Frantic to protect her family from the evil which she believed lurked around every corner, Augusta insisted that they move from La Crosse which she called a sinkhole of filth, to Plainfield, Wisconsin. Even there, Augusta had the family settle down outside of town, since she believed that living in town would corrupt her two sons. As a result, Ed Gain only ever left his family's isolated farmhouse to go to school, but he failed to establish any meaningful connections with his classmates, who remember him as a socially awkward and prone to odd, unexplained fits of laughter. Ed's lazy eye and speech impediment made him an easy victim of bullies. Despite of all this, Ed adored his mother. His father was an alcoholic who died in 1940. He absorbed his mother's lessons about the world and seemed to embrace her harsh worldview. Though Henry sometimes stood up to Augusta, Ed never did. So it's perhaps not a surprise that Ed Gaines' first victim was likely his older brother, Henry. In 1944, Ed and Henry set out to clear some vegetation in their fields by burning it away. But only one of the brothers would live through the night. As they worked, their fire suddenly got out of control. And when firefighters arrived to put out the blaze, Ed told them that Henry had vanished. His body was found soon afterward, face down in the marsh, dead from asphyxiation. It seemed like a tragic accident, but accidental or not, Henry's death meant that Ed Gain and Augusta had the farmhouse to themselves. They lived there in isolation for about a year, until Augusta's death in 1945. Following Ed's mother's death, Ed Gain transformed the house into something of a shrine to his mother. He boarded up the rooms that she had used, keeping them in pristine condition, 
and moved into a small bedroom off the kitchen. Living alone, far from town, he began to sink into his obsessions. It filled his days by learning about Nazi medical experiments, studying human anatomy, consuming porn, though he never attempted to date any real-life women, and reading horror novels. He also began to indulge in his sick fantasies, but it took a long time for anyone to realize it. Indeed, for a full decade, no one thought much about the game farm outside of town. Everything changed in November 1957 when a local hardware store owner named Bernice Warden vanished, leaving nothing behind but bloodstains. Warden, a 58-year-old widow, had last been seen at her store. Her last customer, none other than Ed Game, who had gone into the store to buy a gallon of antifreeze. Police went to Ed's farmhouse to investigate and found themselves in the middle of a walking nightmare. There, authorities found what would later inspire multiple horror movies, especially the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. As soon as investigators stepped into Ed Gaines' house, they found Bernice Wharton in the kitchen. She was dead. Her head missing and hung by her ankles from the rafters. There were also countless bones everywhere, skulls on bedposts, with bowls and kitchen utensils made from skulls. Worse than the bones, however, were the household items that Ed had made from human skin. Authorities found chairs upholstered in human skin along with other items, and multiple masks made from faces, and a lampshade made from a human face. Along with the skin items, police found different body parts from nine different women. They also found the remains of Mary Hogan, a tavern keeper, who had gone missing in 1954. Egin readily admitted that he collected most of the remains from three local graveyards, which he started to visit two years after his mother's death. He told police that he had gone to the graveyard in the days, looking for bodies that he thought resembled his mother. Ed also explained why. He told authorities that he had wanted to create a woman's suit so that he could become his mother and crawl into her skin. Following the police visit to Ed Gaines' house, Ed was arrested. He was found not guilty by reasons of insanity in 1957 and sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, where he was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Then, his farmhouse burned to the ground. Ten years later, Ed was deemed fit to stand trial and was convicted of the murders of Bernice Warden, but just of Bernice Warden. He was never tried for Mary Hogan's murder because the state allegedly saw it. It was a waste of money. Ed was insane. They reasoned. He would spend the rest of his life in hospitals either way. But that raises the chilling question. How many people did Ed Gain really kill? Until his death in 1984 at the age of 77, he only ever admitted to two people, which was Warden and Hogan. The other bodies, which police found as many as 40 in his home, he claimed that he robbed from the graveyards. We may never know how many people fell victim to Ed Gein, but it is certain that Ed Gein stands as one of history's most disturbing serial killers. Robert Elmer Cleason was born on September 20th, 1934 in Buffalo, New York. He was an only child. Guns and hunting were his passion, as well as his mentally ill father. In 1950, 
when Cleason was 16 years old. He stepped on a rusty nail while hunting in the woods, and his mother took him to a hospital. While waiting for doctors to see him, he hit his mother, got a gun from her car, and returned to the emergency room, blasting. No one was hurt, but the outburst landed him in a psychiatric facility in 1952. In 1971, a year after earning his sociology degree, he shot Dennis Dubois in the foot in the town of Williamson, New York, during a dispute. He later jumped bail and moved to Texas. Upon arrival in Austin, Texas, Cleason made a multitude of wild claims to his acquaintances. Most notably, that he was a Korean War veteran and a former CIA operative. He also used several aliases. Cleason was baptized into a local congregation of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints. In December 1973, he was arrested for rustling bison and became angered when the church did not send a lawyer to get him out of jail. After his release, members of Cleason's church became increasingly uneasy with his behavior. On one occasion, his wife caught him taking a bath with a disemboweled deer. Robert then began to write letters to the local bishop of the Mormon church. Two Mormon missionaries, Gary Darley and Mark Fisher, routinely visited Cleason who lived in a trailer behind a taxidermist shop. Despite being warned by their bishop to stop their visits due to Cleason's behavior, Darley and Fisher decided to see Cleason one final time because they thought it was the righteous thing to do. On October 28, 1974, Gary Darley and Mark Fisher disappeared in Oak Hill near Austin. Police investigations of the disappearance led to the scenario that the missionaries were shot dead after having agreed to meet Cleason for dinner. Police discovered Fisher's bloody watch and bullet punctured name tag in Cleason's trailer, but the bodies were never found. Investigators also discovered blood and tissue on a bandsaw, which is like a chainsaw, in a taxidermy shop where Cleason worked. Prosecutors at Cleason's 1975 murder trial alleged he dismembered the victims and buried the remains. Cleason was believed to have held a grudge against the church after he felt the church members did not support him during his trial. Cleason was convicted and sentenced to death, but in 1977, after two years on death row, Cleason was convicted and sentenced to death, but in 1977, after two years on Texas death row, an appeals court overturned Cleason's conviction. The appeals court ruled that search warrant for his home was improper and that the evidence should have been excluded. Authorities opted to not retry Cleason. Cleason was convicted of other crimes, but what happened in 1974 with the Mormon missionaries is what was inspired by the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, which just so happened to come out three weeks before the crime. This is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What inspired the movie and what happened after. I'm not the monster that uh, I was portrayed. And if they dig a little deeper, well, they'll find out that I'm just an every sort of guy.